Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Friday, October 8th. We begin with our continuing series, shining the spotlight on the upcoming municipal election, specifically the race for mayor. This time out, our Dave McIver features one of the top candidates, according to recent polling, Jan Damery. Next, it's our weekly conversation with current mayor, Nahed Nenshi. With 10 days until election day, we get the mayor's thoughts on the campaigns of the many candidates and the importance of making your vote count. Next, we head stateside. We speak with Jennifer Johnson, Washington reporter for Global News, for details on the continued controversy surrounding social media giant Facebook and the latest numbers in the battle against COVID-19. And finally, October 11th is National Coming Out Day. We speak with an author and LGBTQ plus advocate on the importance of the day and what more needs to be done to help those in Canada feel safe when coming out. October 18th, that is the date for our municipal election. Of course, advanced voting in full swing right on through until Sunday. And with many voters undecided, our Dave McIver continues his look into five of the candidates at the top, according to major polls. With 29% of the voters being undecided, according to a recent poll in our upcoming election, we continue our look at the five candidates in the poll and ask them the same three questions. Today, I'm chatting with Jan Damery. An economist by training, Damery has professional experience in education, oil and gas, not-for-profits, including senior leadership positions. Damery promises to create 80,000 jobs by 2030, improve the city's livability, and spur an inclusive economic recovery. Jan, we've seen our downtown uh, vacancy, the, the activity levels have gone down, and, and that was you know before the pandemic. So what is your plan to help revitalize the downtown core? Yeah, thanks, Dave. It's very much about turning downtown into a neighborhood, and I've got some very detailed, actionable plans about working with our post-secondaries and our tech sector um, that we actually get large campuses downtown. It's a great way to repurpose some of that real estate Uh, And imagine, right, you've got students and faculty living and working downtown, thousands of people, some of the coolest cities that I have visited, and you you don't even have to go very far out of Canada, right, Montreal, Toronto, there's young people living, working, and playing downtown, and that revitalizes our main street, and it pulls into the entertainment arts sector that we're starting to make some great infrastructure investments in, so I'm pro-arena, I'm pro-arts commons, I'm pro-Glenbow, and And I'm also pro um, getting a train station that connects the airport to downtown to Banff. So now we create this amazing ecosystem, put the cool back into Calgary, and it becomes a neighborhood. And that actually starts to see the property values appreciate, which also helps us currently with our our property tax dilemma between offloading onto businesses outside of the core. Um, So as an economist, Dave, I've figured out got a comprehensive plan and have figured out a way actually to pay for it, very similarly to the way that we revitalized our East Village um, area. And this means that we can make these investments now that will generate economic return down. And then we create this very vital place that is going to get our kids wanting to stay here. This is something that's motivated me in the election uh, to even run, um, and it's personal. I've got a 24-year-old stepson who left the city a year ago because he couldn't get a job here, didn't see opportunity. 
And part of it too is they didn't. Ha- we don't have cool things to do. So I'm about also putting the cool back into Calgary. You brought it up there um, uh, to good segue into this question. A big topic I think people are are paying attention to right now and over the last few years is obviously transit. Plan to and uh, your idea is to get transit to yeah. the four corners of the city. I know you brought up uh, the airport as well. So uh, yeah. yeah, what's your plan there? Yeah, have uh, this is I think really critical about making us this future focused city uh, and tra- and it's about connecting. Uh, you know, we've, we've got four quadrants, to your point, Dave, that have never been connected. And I've got a, a plan, it's called Network 2030, that builds on the Green Line investment, but also makes sure that we have actually a lot of east-west connectivity between quadrants that make it an option that you do not have to get into your car to get around, to get to work, to get to school, to get to fun things to do. Um, this also piggybacks on this revitalizing the downtown where we've got young people living and working downtown. They don't need a car. Ironically, it also saves us on our carbon footprint and reduces our carbon liability over time. So the ideas and my plan fit all together, uh, and we've got to activate this. But a future city has to have alternative transportation other than car. And that's the vision that I'm presenting. And again, have figured out a way to pay it, pay for it. Also working cooperatively with other levels of government to invest in this. But it also is primarily behind our, my climate change plan as well. And this is something, too, I talk a lot about, Dave. You know, as you pointed out, we are the most diverse city, but it, on paper, and we don't act that way. This is about connectivity. It's about removing barriers. Um, and it's about, I mean, we've got, yeah. And this is something, too, I talk a lot about, Dave. You know, as you pointed out, we are the most diverse city, but on paper, and we don't act that way. This is about connectivity. It's about removing barriers. Um, And it's about, I mean, we've got Muslim women walking our streets with bear spray because they don't feel safe. Um, So part of it is making sure we've got economic opportunity. We're removing the barriers. So you'll see again in this very detailed plan The city of Calgary is a large employer and we are a large purchaser of goods. And we actually have huge leverage to ensure that we are providing opportunities and making sure we've got representation when we procure contracts, when we hire people. I want to make sure our government is more reflecting the diversity of our community. And I'm very much that leader who always looks around the room and says, whose perspective are we missing? And particularly if we're making decisions that impact those people. But we've got amazing people coming to this city from all over the world. I don't know, Dave, if you knew that I've, I've traveled and worked all over the world. Hmm. spent a lot of time in East Africa, Pakistan, Afghanistan. Uh, I am more comfortable when I have diversity. And we need to start celebrating and having a reason to bring all of us together. And understanding that our um, racialized and our, our citizens from coming, coming to the city, our newcomers, face barriers that many of us don't even see. And we've got to be hitting these head on and removing those barriers. And I have very specific plans, too, to deal with. Uh, we are, we are. I mean, Jeremy Farkas said yesterday that we are not a racist city. And that is just so offside because we are, and it discounts the experiences that people experience in our city. I'm going to be that mayor that keeps, is that signal booster to make sure that we are connecting and embracing everyone in our city and giving opportunity. It begins with economic opportunity, but also understanding our own cultural biases. I want to hit it head on. I'm Dave McIver with Global News Radio 770 CHQR. And the series continues next week. And again, it's the top of the pile when it comes to these 27 mayoralty candidates, says according to polls. 
And it's interesting, uh, I mentioned that the advance polls are open right through till the 10th to uh, Sunday, okay? Now get this, uh, 20,000, almost 20,000 Calgarians, rather, have cast ballots each day in advance polls for the civic election to this point. 20,000. Okay, so get this. Over the three days of advanced polling in the, the municipal election, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, City of Calgary, this came out yesterday, says the number of votes cast is expected to push past those set in previous years. In fact, the latest data uh, released by officials on Thursday uh, found that 23,517 ballots were cast in the first day of advanced polls, just over 23,000. And that's more than the total amount cast during all seven days of advanced polls in the 2013 municipal election. People are coming out for that advanced vote. We've had the opportunity every Friday to speak with Mayor Nahed Nenshi, and he joins us once again ahead of the long weekend. Good morning to you, Mayor. Good morning, Andy. Second last time, I think. I was going to say, and we need some clarification before I get to the real matter at hand, which is the number one dish on the Thanksgiving table in the uh, <laughs> in the uh, Nenshi, Amir Nenshi household. So we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but as far as the timing, you, you'd given us a date, I think it was two weeks ago, that it's not like your time comes to a close exactly when the <laughs> polls close on the 18th of October. You're sticking around a little longer than that, right? Uh, just one week. You know, when you think of a U.S. election, there's like a couple months before the swearing in. Uh, in this case, just one week. So I'm officially finished uh, on Monday, October the 25th at 11.59 a.m., not that I'm counting. Not that you're counting. Okay. Um, but I imagine that last Friday after the election, yeah, probably you're not that interested in talking to me. There might be someone else you want to talk to. You never know. We've we got your number anyway. We'll track you down. Uh, what is what is the most important part of any Thanksgiving meal? We have four choices. Turkey, stuffing, gravy, or pumpkin pie, if you had to choose one. Well, you know, obviously the turkey is the most important part, okay. but my favorite part is the stuffing. Uh, I like the savory and the sweet uh, and the crunch of the stuffing because um, the turkey can get a little dry otherwise. However, I would argue to you that clearly the most important part of any Thanksgiving meal is the political conversation just before an election. I expect nothing less from you. And, and to that point on the political conversation, your thoughts. We've got 10 days technically in the home stretch, and I know you love to encourage Calgarians or anybody, any level of government, uh, when it comes to an election, to get out and vote. We've got the advance vote straight through to Sunday. No excuse not to. But how do you think this election is playing out? Well, I will remind people that you should vote. We've had record high voter turnout at the advance polls. Uh, and it would be great to have even more people out. I still remember on in 2010, I was standing outside of a Flames game talking to people, and a young man who had just come back from his first year at university was talking about how excited he was to be home to vote. And I said, you know, when are you planning on voting? And he said, well, tomorrow, because I leave on Tuesday. And I said, no, the polls aren't open on Thanksgiving Day. They close in an hour. you got to go now. And this kid took off from the saddle dome ran to City Hall, voted, and made it back into his seat just in time for the game. Uh, and uh, I just love that. <laughs> I will never forget that story. But nonetheless, it is a great time to vote. It is a complicated ballot. Remember, you're voting for mayor, councillor, school board trustee, and the fluoridation referendum, uh, which is at the very bottom of the ballot, on the city ballot. And then you also have a provincial ballot with uh, two referenda both ridiculous uh, and a ridiculous Senate election. But you know what? 
these host votes. So, and by the way, I actually made an endorsement in the Senate election that you can see on my social media. That's a, n- a nice plug. Do you want to share it with us? Oh, mm-hmm. sure. Um, I think it's a ridiculous election. Um, it's basically just for show. Uh, nobody knows who's running. People are running on their party affiliation. They were nominated by the party leaders in a complete non-opaque, a uh, completely opaque process. Mm-hmm. Frankly, it's exactly the same as the prime minister appointing a party insider. They just pretend there's an election. And remember that the people who are elected have no guarantee of actually being named to the Senate. Um, but there is one shining star who is a woman called Karina Pillay. Karina was the mayor of Slave Lake during the wildfires. She went back to school to become a physician. And she's like the best of us. She's the kind of person that you want in public life. I'm excited about that. Um, But I would also add that there are two satirical candidates, one called Jet Thunders, uh, who's actually a real community builder in town called Chad Saunders, and a perennial gadfly called Duncan Kinney. And I actually think it would be amusing if the the premier had to advocate to the prime minister for Jet Thunders in the Senate. So, you know, that if you're a troublemaker, that could be fun, too. (laughs) Mayor Nahed Nenshi, un- unfiltered on a Friday. Uh, We've got to take a quick break for traffic. Can you hang around for a few more? Absolutely. Mayor Nahed Nenshi, hanging around with us. And, uh, Mr. Mayor, thanks for taking some extra time. We appreciate it. Uh, I'm happy to be here. What what can we expect or what do you anticipate we see from the, the different candidates, particularly those mayoral candidates, as we move into the final week here? Uh, do we see well, any you fireworks? Know, I, I had the chance to watch... Uh, couple of debates this week. I watched uh, the one you folks did uh, with the Chamber of Commerce, uh, as well as uh, the uh, debate around resilient or vibrant Calgary that was hosted at the Arts Commons. They're both available, and I really encourage folks over the long weekend to take an hour uh, and watch them. Now, I will tell you, of course, I was yelling at the screen the entire time because I was hearing so many things that were just not true um, or impossible to do. Um, you know, for example, we heard from one candidate uh, who I must say is sounding a little increasingly desperate that he would freeze taxes for four years and build a downtown police station. And that downtown police station was going to attract young people because we all know that when young people are deciding where to live, the location of the police station is the number one thing they think of. By the way, I cut a ribbon on a downtown police station two weeks ago. It's open. so I'm not sure where that's coming from. Um, but at least you got a sense of what people were really thinking about. There's some different visions out there, particularly among the three perceived frontrunners. And I think that'll help it make a little easier for people to make a choice. I will tell you, in watching the debates, when you look at the three of them, there's one of them that is clearly much more prepared than the other two. But mainly, um, I was looking for more inspiration, You know, I know people are feeling sad and a little beat up right now, but we have to be optimistic about our future. And we have to be really thinking about what is possible, not just what has happened to us. The future is something we create, not something that happens to us. And ultimately, that's why I've been a little disappointed uh, with the candidates in this election thus far, uh, not really being able to articulate a real vision of the future, even a risky vision of the future. And that's a shame. And I've said from the very beginning that we really need people who can meet this moment. Uh, It's not a time for a mayor who cuts ribbons on things solely, uh, although I do love doing that. It's not a time for a mayor who has easy headlines. 
I'm going to cut your taxes. I'm going to freeze taxes for four years. You know, by the way, freezing taxes for four years when all we know what the price of gas is like, we know what is happening in inflation, means cuts. And if you say, and, and that's okay if that's what people want, but if you say, I am going to freeze your taxes for four years, but I'm going to totally preserve the largest departments, which is police, and maybe the second largest department, which is transit, then that just means that the smaller departments are going to have massive cuts, departments like parks or recreation. And if that's what people want, Mm -hmm. great. But I think that you have to be honest uh, and say, if that is your goal, then what's the next sentence? And that's what we're really missing, I think. You know, say what you want. It, it is interesting, and I appreciate you pointing out that the ballot is long, so people should pack a lunch when they go into those booths, for sure. And, and, <laughs> well, uh, make sure you get to that fluoridation question. It's kind of hidden away yeah, at the yeah, bottom I've, of the ballot. I've heard that. I, I, I'm, I'm sure it's not intentional, but, uh, you know. No, it is not, but I've heard that from a few voters. I've, so, uh, Sue uh, had mentioned it as well. So I think that it's uh, a case of uh, rolling up your sleeves, doing your homework this weekend, and making your vote count. Thank you so much for your time, Mr. Mayor. We're out of time for this uh, for this round, but happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Thank you. We'll talk next week. Oh, and my final endorsement, if you live in Ward 11 and 13, you have an outstanding candidate for public school board trustee in my colleague, Nancy Close. He's name-dropping and everything. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mr. Mayor. We appreciate it. Thank you. It's Mayor Nahid Nenshi. As we do each and every Friday, we'd like to get an update south of the border and a lot of ground to cover, including the latest COVID numbers in the USA, the U.S. land border, uh, what the latest is on that, and Facebook. Yeah, interesting. We're going to be talking about Facebook right now with uh, Jennifer Johnson, who, of course, is Global News at Washington Bureau reporter. Good morning to you, Jennifer. Good morning, Andy. Thanks for having me. Thank you for taking the time. We're going to you know, loop you into our poll about Thanksgiving coming up in a bit. So you got to think things okay. on a lighter note. We have our Canadian Thanksgiving this weekend. Uh, but I want to talk about this. Normally, you know, when people talk about in the news, Facebook, we talk about cat pictures, dog pictures, you know, you know, putting those, you know, fun things up on Facebook, connecting with family. But they have been under fire this week. What do we know and what's the latest on Facebook? Well, yeah, that was a rough uh, Senate subcommittee hearing. Frances Haugen, who's a Facebook whistleblower, she was a data scientist at Facebook, came forward. First, she filed um, a, an anonymous whistleblower complaint with federal authorities, then gave an anonymous interview with the Wall Street Journal, but then went public on 60 Minutes last Sunday, and then on Tuesday testified before the Senate subcommittee. And basically what she said was that Facebook over and over puts profits over safety and security. It ignores its own research showing that it's um, fueling hate, divisiveness, political unrest, um, problems with young girls in terms of body image and anorexia, and that the only thing that matters to Facebook is the bottom line. And she left Facebook she was there for about two years. She left Facebook photocopying tens of thousands of documents. She worked in the Civic Integrity Unit. She photocopied these documents, and she's handed them over to the Senate subcommittee. And they were pretty bombshells. That was pretty bombshell stuff, but, you know, the stuff she presented and the things she said on Tuesday. And I'm wondering, uh, Jennifer, your, your perspective on this in that we had that Facebook outage, I believe, was it, was it the next day? Um, or, you know, so the, earlier this week? It was a- 
It was the day before. The day before, okay. The, you know, the timing was a little weird. It was bizarre, and apparently it was to do with uh, some configuration and, and it maybe perhaps some new updates to Facebook as a whole, but it did underscore, people were losing it, how important Facebook seems to be to them. So, so will this make a dent? Do you think that the average user will perk up their ears and pay attention to this? Well, I think this time versus, you know, did Facebook um, allow Russian interference into the election? I, I don't think that had a lot of traction. I do think this time people did talk about it. People were upset. The allegations were, um, you know, pretty bad, not just o- over the hate content. And basically what, what Francis Hogan said was Facebook does algorithms. And when you have very controversial posts, um, and, and very divisive, you know, hate-filled posts. It gets more likes, it gets more shares, it gets more attention, and therefore Facebook can charge advertisers more based on these posts. So they do these algorithms all the time and show that these particular posts get more money for Facebook, you know, you know make more money for Facebook. Hmm. So, yeah, that was the first problem. The second bombshell she came up with was that Facebook owns Instagram and that Facebook did studies showing that these posts um, that young girls are seeing, you know, about bodies and being skinny led to a higher, the, the Facebook, I mean, Instagram was directly attributed to a higher incidence of suicide and anorexia among young girls mm-hmm. and that Facebook ignored the evidence in both cases and just went forward. So I think that kind of thing does get attention from the public. Mm-hmm. But let's be clear, Facebook has 2.8 billion users. And so whether or not that many users are going to get off Facebook because of this, I doubt it. Remains to be seen, I guess. Let's switch gears and talk COVID-19. And an interesting stat that I uh, see here, 2021 COVID deaths in the U.S. have now surpassed deaths in 2020. Uh, right. is, is the worst uh, behind the country now? Are you past the peak, do you think? Well, you know, it's, it's an interesting question because hospitalizations and deaths are leveling out, although I checked the figures this morning and there were still 2,472, 2,472 people who died overnight of COVID-19 in America. But compared to where we were a month ago, hospitalizations and deaths have stabilized. Now, that's true but there are still pockets, many pockets in America, particularly rural America, where the cases are still rising and the hospitalizations are still rising. And that's it's sort of a double-edged sword there because it's not so much an access thing anymore in the rural parts of America. It's, it's a lot of the mentality of I don't live around a lot of people and therefore I feel safe. But when you look at the hospitalizations in rural Tennessee, rural Missouri, that's not proving to be true. They're overwhelmed with people who do have COVID that live in rural areas. But overall, right now, mm-hmm. the rates are dropping. Now, the doctors, the CDC are concerned what's going to happen in the colder months. We are having a particularly warm fall in most parts of the country. So what's going to happen in the colder months and what's going to happen during the flu season? So there's a big pusher uh, by the feds to get people their flu shots and also the booster shots. Just before I let you go, Jennifer, um, it is Thanksgiving uh, here on our side of the border. I know you're waiting till November 25th, but we're going to put to you our uh, poll question, which is if uh, you could pick one of the most important parts of your Thanksgiving meal, what is that one dish? We have four choices, turkey, stuffing, gravy, or pumpkin pie. Which one's your favorite? Oh, that's hard. It's very hard. Um, I think I'm going to go with turkey, but... Uh-huh. The rest of the family would go with stuffing. Oh, yeah. So 
I, I mean, I like stuffing, but it's not great for my waistline, so I'm going to have to go with the turkey. Going with the turkey, and yeah, you get to take advantage now. And I think we, I think we have a win here over uh, the U.S. here in Canada because we spread these holidays out. Like you've got that so close to Christmas, we get to savor it now, and then we get some time. Uh, but maybe then again, maybe you get to double up, eh? November twenty fifth. Well, it's, actually, it's not great because it, Thanksgiving is really late, and then you're kind of crushing Ooh, yeah. to set up for Christmas. Like I don't like putting up Christmas trees when it's Thanksgiving. I like to have that holiday and then do the Christmas. But then you've got New Year's. I mean, it's a, it's a lot. I, I would I would prefer how you guys do it, the spreading out. I, I'd like the October Thanksgiving. Okay, That's good. nice. How, how's your poll going? Pumpkin pie or how's it going? Turkey is winning 46%. <laughs> it's uh, the hardest thing to cook. It's it, well, yeah. to get it right. And I guess that's a staple, but I, I, I submitted that gravy is number one because it tops, literally tops everything. So I love a good stuffing, though. I'm with you. Uh, thank you so much for your time this morning, Jennifer. Have a good weekend. You too. Happy Thanksgiving, Andy. Thank Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Jennifer Johnson, Global News, Washington Bureau reporter. Coming out can be a life-changing, stressful moment. And on October 11th, it's National Coming Out Day, providing supports and awareness for the LGBTQ plus community. Joining us with more information is author, lecturer, and LGBTQ advocate, Aaron LeBlanc. Good morning to you, Aaron. Good morning, Andy. How are you? Good. Thank you for taking the time. So let's break Thank it down you. and get right into it. Why is this day important? Why is it needed, Aaron? Oh, my goodness. That's such a big question. Um, it's, you know, people that are in the members of the community, um, not being able to be authentic, their authentic selves at the workplace is really energy training, trying to always be guarded, watch what you say, watch what you do, who you associate with for fear that you might out yourself into an organization that you don't know if they're supportive or not is mentally and physically exhausting. And to be able to show up as your authentic self in your workplace is such an amazing thing to do. Um, It just is much better for the organization. It's much better for the employees. It leads to such things as greater productivity, um, greater employee retention, happiness in the workplace, employees that feel supported and valued. Um, and they're just be able to be more engaged um, and support the organization as well as the organization supports them. What, what do we hope comes out of it? It's just one day on the calendar. Uh, but for mm-hmm. those who who are in the world, it's, it's, it's super important, as you mentioned. So, so what should be done that day? How should it be observed? And, and what sorts of things should people keep in mind? Well, you know, it shouldn't just be something that's observed in just for one day. I mean, the, the, the point of the day, I believe, is to highlight the importance of being supportive of the LGBTQ plus community in the workplace. But it's something that needs to go on 365 within an organization. So organizations need to really take a look at their processes, their policies, make sure that they are clearly articulated and supportive of of anti-discrimination of behavior within their organization and what the consequences are and what the processes are and to make the um, individuals feel that they are valued and supported. Um, so they should be really um, trying to engage on topics about equity, diversity and inclusion on that specific day, mm-hmm. whether it be through um, training or guest speakers or um, other events um, for that day. But it shouldn't just be a one day occurrence within an organization. What are, you know, Aaron, the, the support, I don't want to put you on the spot here, but what are the supports for somebody? So, for, for example, 
if, if, if I'm thinking about coming out and I work mm-hmm. in an environment that isn't, you know, so friendly, are there supports right. that I can go to as far as across the nation or in specific provinces to, to walk through something like this and, and perhaps make it a, a workplace more inclusive and take those steps? Yeah, great question. I mean, you know, as as the fallback, there there is legislative and legal um, protections in place. And Bill C-16, for example, which was passed in 2016 at the federal level um, in Alberta, it's the uh, the Human Rights Code, which clearly outlines that um, discrimination based upon gender identity, gender um, presentation, or sexual orientation um, is in fact illegal. So people have those legal. Um, supports to fall back on. Um, it's unfortunate when it does have to come to that, and it shouldn't come to that. But to look to your um, within your own city, within your own jurisdictions, um, support such as PFLAG, um, which is supports um, the LGBTQ community. There are other areas. The Canadian Centre for Diversity and Inclusion out of Toronto has some good resources, as well as um, an organization called the 519. Um, also had some great organizations. The Human Rights Council um, is there. Um, and hopefully it, it won't come to that. Um, you know, you want to find someone in an organization that you feel is supportive um, and sort of start there um, as to find an ally and work your way through. A lot of our smaller organizations that I work with aren't even aware that there have been changes to legislation and that, that it's now um, part of, of the law because they're busy trying to keep the lights on and doors open, especially in the time of COVID, of COVID environment. Um, and they need to be made, made aware of, of such things. And, and usually that's a, a big first step into creating a bit more of a supportive environment. Yeah, yeah, the, the COVID into the challenging uh, time as well. And uh, boy, mm-hmm. there's a lot going on. But thank yeah. you uh, so much for the clarity this morning, Aaron. We appreciate it. No problem. It's my pleasure. And for more information, people can look me up on my website for, uh, for support at aaronleblanc.ca. Good stuff. That is Aaron LeBlanc, of course, author, lecturer, LGBTQ advocate, uh, joining us talking about, of course, the day of the 11th of uh, this month on Monday, National Coming Out Day. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.